And um, how many of you have ever heard the ministry of First Bible International? Just, uh, just nobody. All right. How about the ministry of Bearing Precious Seed? Okay, many of you have. How about the name Dr. Charles Keene? Okay, just a couple of you. All right, Dr. Charles Keene, 40 years ago, started the ministry of Bearing Precious Seed under the authority of First Baptist Church in Milford, Ohio. And Bearing Precious Seed has been printing the Word of God for people uh, all over the world, obviously, who have the Bible in their language. Obviously, if they're printing it, they have it in their language. Amen? And um, nearly, how many years ago? I got a complete blank right there. 14 years ago, uh, Dr. Keene, uh, no, eight years ago, Dr. Keene left uh, First Baptist Milford, uh, so-called retired, uh, there from the church after being there for 35 years, and started the ministry of First Bible International. First Bible International is all about getting the Bible translated into the heart languages of people who have never had a Bible that they can read at all. And that's what we do is help them uh, by getting churches involved and helping us to get that accomplished, getting the Bible translated into the heart languages so that we can then start churches where there's never been uh, a church before. A very exciting ministry, and we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to be involved in it. Dr. Keene asked me if I would, when I'm out, to bring uh, his books with me. And I do have those back there. If you're interested in really good uh, missionary reading, all of Dr. Keene's books are back there on the table. And um, I don't tell him this, but I actually sell these cheaper than he sells these. So uh, if you're interested in those uh, good reading, you'll want to go back there and, and be a part of that. Also, just a couple other things. These are very interesting. Brother Byron Fox, who your preacher knows real well, uh, these are just very conservative music uh, tapes for children with King James verses to memorize. And so you memorize the Word of God to music. And uh, people are really enjoying those very much. You can see those. And these have been around a long time. Blessed promises from the Scripture. Um, uh, Brother uh, Stallings with Bearing Precious Seed uh, does these. And uh, folks just pick these up all over the place, use them for all kinds of things. And uh, we only sell those for $5. And so if you're interested, uh, we can help you with that. But most importantly, my wife actually makes these. Uh, these frames you see out there on the easel. Uh, we had a real burden a while back. Uh, when was the last time you went to the bookstore and tried to find something to put on your wall that was King James? Very difficult to do today. Uh, getting harder and harder today, for sure. That's all this is. These are just King James verses uh, that my wife beautifully does for you to be able to get and put up on your wall. And uh, these just help us keep some gas in the tank to get from point A to point B. That's getting pretty expensive to do. Uh, but praise the Lord, it helps us on that. And if we can help you with any of those things, uh, we'd love to be able to do that. Let's pray. And then we'll look into the Word of God and see what the Scripture has for us, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given to us uh, to be right here at Spooner Baptist Church. We're excited about what you're going to do in this day. Father, we are not by any means wanting to waste any time. We realize that our moments are precious. And you've given us a wonderful opportunity to be in the church house, to be able to worship you, and we can do it freely. The doors are not locked. The windows are not barred. There's no guard standing at the door. And we have your Bible in our hands. And we're going to read from it openly. And we're going to proclaim what it says. And then we're going to take that challenge and go out into our neighborhoods and repeat what we hear. What a blessing that we have as Americans. What a thrill it is to be able to do what we're doing right now. Thank you that we can pause and call you our Father. Thank you for what you've done for us on Calvary's cross. 
If there's somebody here who does not have a Bible reason to know they're on the way to heaven, I pray today they'll get that taken care of. And then, Lord of the harvest, we pray that you'd send forth laborers into your field of service, even from this local church. Father, we pray for all those that are working behind the scenes right now. We especially pray for the nursery workers. Lord, it's obvious they're having a struggle today. Lord, I pray you'll help them, encourage them. What a blessing that ladies and and people are willing to give up a, a service to be able to take care of the children so the families can be in here. Lord, I pray you'd encourage their hearts. There's others that are doing things around the scenes. Father, we pray that you would just bless them. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We ask you, please, by your Holy Spirit, to open our eyes in your word to behold wondrous things. Father, we need you to meet with us. You've promised where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so we don't have to wonder whether or not you're here, but we do want you not just to be here, but we want you to work in our midst. So create in us a spirit that would allow you to work through us. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do, and we'll trust it by faith in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We trust that you will definitely go by our prayer table and pick up a prayer card and uh, be able to pray more for us. We are sent out from the Faith Baptist Church in Chelsea, Michigan, uh, where Adam Summers is the pastor. And uh, we're very grateful for uh, the Lord allowing us to be a part uh, of that ministry. And uh, we're asking you, if you would, to please pray for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 30 that you strive together in your prayers to God with us. I can't tell you what a relief it is for us as missionaries to know the numbers of people around the country that are striving together with us in prayer. There's just so much power that's represented in prayer, and I realize it now more in my life than I ever have. So please join that team and uh, pray with us, and I hope that we can challenge you to do that a little bit more uh, throughout the course of the day. And then pray for our financial support. We're raising support, just like every other missionary does. We're not paid by First Bible. Uh, I pastored for the last 25 years full-time, and nearly three years ago, we left the pastorate to go full-time in the mission field, and uh, God is blessed. We're at 65% of our support, and uh, we rejoice in that. We look forward to maybe uh, sometime being able to be associated with you folks uh, when you're ready to take out another missionary. We hope that you will certainly consider us. You say, why would we want to do that? Well, you'd want to do that because there's 6,918 unreached people groups. That's 3.2 billion people needing this book in their heart language. You say, why are they needing this book in their heart language? Look in Romans chapter 15, if you would, and notice with me verse number 19. The Bible says, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Preacher already mentioned once this morning about that, about how that we need the power of the Spirit of God in our life. There's so much that we can accomplish, church, in our own strength, but that accomplishment is going to be very short-lived. But when we accomplish something in the power of the Spirit of God, then we can see something happen with eternal value attached to it. Amen? And that's what we're after. We're after things that will last throughout all eternity. And they did that under the power of the Spirit of God. Look at the geography right here in 19. So that from Jerusalem and round about into Illyricum, in that entire geographical location right there, the Apostle Paul and all those that are working with the Apostle Paul make this next statement. We have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Isn't that incredible? In that entire geography, with the technology they had available to them in that day, with the transportation they had available to them to get from point A to point B, they were able to entirely cover that geography with the gospel. 
Does that mean that they physically touched every person and was able to give them a gospel track and witness to them? No. But that means that they strategically planted places around that geography where if somebody wanted to hear the gospel, they could. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's an amazing statement right there. You'll hear me uh, several times this morning and tonight mention the term unreached people groups. We don't believe that we have any unreached people groups in the United States of America. We have unsaved people here. You might even go out in your Jerusalem right here with a gospel track, knock on some door, and ask somebody if they know for sure they're going to heaven, and they'll say to you, no, and I don't know anything about it. You might present the gospel to them, and they might say to you, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Is it because, it's the first, is, is it because they've never had the opportunity to hear it, or they just never have? They just never have. You know that the opportunity is available everywhere in the United States. You can still go to Dollar General and buy a King James Bible. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. You can still go to Sam's Club and buy a King James Bible. I hope it'll stay that way. Probably won't, but as long as we've got it, we'll enjoy it. Amen? And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that unreached people groups are not the same groups of people that we have right here. I'll prove that to you in just a little bit. And so since they strategically planted all that in that area, he says in verse number 20, yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. If we could use one verse as a theme verse for First Bible International, that would be it right there. We desire to preach the gospel where the gospel has never been preached before. We desire to establish independent fundamental Baptist churches where there's never been a Baptist church before. We desire to get the Word of God into the heart languages of people who have never been able to read this book personally. You have to understand that the majority of these people that we deal with not only have never been able to read the Bible, they have no written language whatsoever. They have no reading skills at all. They communicate one with another by their noise, if you will. Whatever that noise is to us doesn't make any sense. To them, they're able to live with it. And so a missionary goes and lives with those people, turns that noise into an alphabet, turns that alphabet into a primer, begins to teach the people how the basic skills of reading, and then get a portion of Scripture in their language. Praise the Lord, you can still be saved with John 3.16. Amen? And then move into a larger portion of Scripture into the Gospel of John and Romans, the New Testament, and Lord willing, the whole Bible. And uh, it's a process that takes incredible effort to see it accomplished, but God told us to do it. And since God told us to do it, it's important that we do because 86% of these people live in what's called the 1040 window. If you're not familiar with that, this is it right there. That right there is the 10 degree line north of the equator. That's the 40 degree line north of the equator. From Africa, um, Iran, Pakistan, India, China, all the way over to the islands. Right there in that imaginary rectangular box, nearly half the world's population live right there. We want to get a Bible to them just as quickly as we possibly can. We're talking about, for instance, people who live in Africa, maybe the country of Burkina Faso. In Burkina Faso are all these different people groups that have never been able to read the Word of God in their heart language at all. They have no idea what it is. If you were to total all the people groups up in Burkina Faso, there would be 29 of them. But let's also go, if you would, over to Asia, and let's pull out the largest country in the world that has a largest representation of unreached people groups. Now, for me to do this as effectively as I can, I need somebody that will help me just for a few moments. You don't need to come up here. I just want you to be my missionary for the day, and I'm kind of handpicking Jordan. Okay, can you help me? 
You don't have to come up here. All you got to do is just stay right there. But you do have to do two things, okay? Number one, you have to stay awake, okay? That's real important that you stay awake, all right? Because I might ask you something all of a sudden, and I don't want to have to wake you up and embarrass you. So stay awake. Some of you are laughing. Usually the people laugh are the ones that fall asleep during church. How many of you have a problem falling asleep during church? Don't look, preacher. It's going to embarrass you. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you a foolproof way. You will never fall asleep in church again, I promise. Preacher will wonder what in the world is going on. He'll go home to his wife and say, honey, did you notice brother such and such has not fallen asleep in a month? I don't know what's going on. I don't know if my preaching has got that much better or if revival is taking place, but it's good. So here's all you have to do. Just raise your foot off the floor one half inch and hold it there. And as long as you hold that foot up, you'll never fall asleep. That's all. Nobody will know you're doing it. It'll be amazing. And little feet are popping up all over. You don't have to do it right now. That's when you get sleepy, okay? So anyway, Jordan, if you get tired, elevate just a little bit, okay? That's one. Now, number two, this one might be a little bit more difficult for you. You have to be able to say amen like a preacher. Go for it. Jordan, I have a child. We only have one son, and his name is Jordan. Now, he knows how to say amen like a preacher. I mean, he can, he can muster it, you know, where it starts down at the soles of your feet, you know, kind of works its way up through the loins, and before it gets to the chest, I mean, it's, a, it's an explosion that just has to happen. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, one more chance. Amen. All right, that's better. Good. All right, Jordan. God sends you, Jordan, to India as a missionary. All these different people, groups who have their own language, their own dialect, their own form of politics and government, where communication can move throughout their own group unhindered. There were 29 unreached people groups in Burkina Faso. How many do you think there are in India? Give me a guess. You're taking way too long. I need to get done before lunch, okay? All right, 2,274 unreached people groups just in India. You see, when we're talking about sending people to the mission field where missionaries have never been, there's a need everywhere. Amen? It's not just go where the need is the greatest. The need is everywhere there. We want to get them there as soon as we possibly can. Most of these are what we call unengaged. By unengaged, they have no church, they have no gospel presence, and they have no scripture. But what is the saddest thing about unengaged is this. Now, preacher, I don't know about you, but I don't think we should ever see those letters in white on any screen in any church in the United States of America. Church, we're talking about as far as we know, there's no active effort in place at all with these people all over the world at no active effort, nothing in place to reach them with the gospel, nothing hap happening to get them a Bible, nothing happening to get them a church. They're completely untouched. Now, some of you are looking at me like, stop right there. I know my geography. That 1040 window, I know what that is. That's mostly closed countries to missionaries. Jay, will you stand? Closed country to missionary? Are you there? Yes. You just walked right over there as a missionary, right? Just walked right in the country. I'm a missionary. I'm coming over to preach the gospel. Let me in. Didn't happen that way, did it? You went over on a work visa. You're coaching football, of all things. The God of America, you're using for God in another country. Isn't that incredible? That is amazing. Thank you. I'm just wanting you to see that you, we don't go over there as missionaries. We don't go over there as preachers. There's so many ways that we can get the Word of God into the heart languages of these people. 
There has to be because God told us to do it. Would God ever tell us to do something that he knew we would not ever be able to accomplish? And then would he hold us responsible to judgment seat of Christ because we didn't do it? That just wouldn't make any sense at all. So we know it can be done. It just takes an effort and a creativity to get it done. And I'm going to share some very creative ways with you tonight of how we're getting that done. I hope you'll come back tonight and hear some of those creative ways that it's happening. Right now, we have 4,000 missionaries that are sent out from churches just like this. The interesting thing about that is that 85% of all those 4,000 missionaries are in the same 15 different countries. Now, I don't know if that means anything to you or not. If you just watched the Olympics recently, how many countries did they say was represented in the Olympics? Do you remember? 204. If there's 204 countries in our known world and 85% of our missionaries are in the same 15, something is not right with that picture. Would you agree? Something is out of shape with that, and it makes me wonder how in the world did that, did that happen? I shared with you that my wife and I have been in full-time ministry. I was a pastor full-time for 25 years. That means I've been involved in 25 different missionary conferences. Brother Flaming has been serving, I don't know, I think Noah's Ark was in the blueprint stages when he started preaching somewhere back in that stage. But anyway, we've, we, all these kind of things, Brother Flaming, this has happened under our watch. Under our watch, all of our missionaries are going to the same place. How? How? Why did, why did we let that happen? Why is it 30% of them are in the, same 15, or in the same five countries? The most represented countries in the world for missionaries. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? You awake? You're about to nod off there. I want to make sure you stay awake, okay? Now, this is important. Jordan, if God calls you as a missionary to Mexico, where do you need to go and be a missionary? Mexico. If God calls you as a missionary to the Philippines, where do you need to go to be a missionary? The Philippines. Because we need missionaries in Mexico. We need missionaries in the Philippines. We need missionaries in all these five countries. Amen? It's not that we're saying by any means we don't need to send any more missionaries to these places. We need missionaries there. The question is, why only there? Why do we not have any young people that are growing up to want to be missionaries anywhere else? Those five most represented countries with missionaries, Brazil, Mexico, the United Kingdom, Philippines, and Canada. God has allowed us to move into Canada recently. I've spent several weeks up there this summer. Dr. Keene asked me if I'd go into Canada and represent First Bible there because First Bible has never been represented in Canada at all. And it's incredible to me that you can go into a place like that and you can go into a city of a million and a half people and see no independent fundamental Baptist churches. Yet we have missionaries all over the place over there. It's an incredible work that, that needs to be accomplished, and we need to send missionaries to those places, but that only leaves 8% that's, living, that's working in the 1040 window. So my question is, what can we do about that? What can we do even in a church like this? Is there something you can do to make a difference? Well, I've had to really think about that. And here's the, here's the conclusion I've come up with. God sends Jordan as a missionary say to Burkina Faso. Before you chose to go to Burkina Faso, you were in the thought process of deciding where God's going to send you. How'd you come up to the conclusion? How'd you decide where you were going to go? Well, Jordan's going to decide where he's going to go the same way every missionary decides where they're going to go. He's going to stay right here in this church. You're 16, 15, hold 16. So you're going to be here another two years and learn how to handle the Word of God as effectively as you possibly can. You're going to go off to Bible college so that you can learn to, learn to handle it even better. 
And in Bible college, the most exciting thing about Bible college are the chapel services. In chapel, a lot of preachers come through, a lot of missionaries come through. It's, the pulpit's always hot. It's a great place to be. All of a sudden, Jordan, you see on the screen a presentation from a missionary. Man, it just grips your heart. You can't get it off your mind. Every time you open the Bible, that place jumps off the pages of Scripture to you. Are you with me? You call all of your friends and family back home and, and tell them what God's doing in your life. You call Brother Flaming. Say, Brother Flaming, remember when that missionary representative was there from First Bible in 2012? I surrendered to be a missionary. He'll say, Jordan, I've been praying for you ever since. What do you want to tell me? You're going to tell him where God is calling you to go. He's going to rejoice, help you raise your support, get you to that field as quickly as possible. Right, Brother Flaming? That's the way it happens. So since our missionary representatives are watching presentations, and one of those presentations grips their heart, and that's where God sends them, what's the chance, based on those numbers, they ever even see a presentation to the unreached? Basically none. No wonder we're sending them all to the same places. They're deciding where they're going to go based on what they're seeing and based on what they're challenged, and all of the challenges are going to the same place. So what can we do about that? How many of you believe in prayer? That's about 10 of you. How many of you believe in prayer? That's about 25. How many of you believe in prayer? Amen. Now we can have a prayer meeting. Go to Psalm 2 in your Bible, please. Psalm 2, if you would. You all right, Jordan? All right. That's yes, sir. Psalm 2. Just kidding, Jordan. Yep, it's fine with me, too, as long as you have a coon dog to go with it. Amen, Mr. Coon Hunter. Hey, can you hear me? Okay, want to make sure. Psalm 2. He tried to get rid of me, Pastor Flaming, today. He's already asked me if I'd go with him tomorrow to check out some bear damage in a field, and there's some cubs there. What you don't know is I have a permit to carry. I'll be glad to go with you. Anyway, verse number 8. Verse number 8. Now, I understand the context of this verse. The context of this verse, I understand, is the son asking of the father... I understand all that that's going to happen in that, how the God is going to have a representation around the throne. Revelation chapter 7 tells us all about that. But we still have a responsibility, amen? We still right now have the opportunity to be a part of getting somebody represented around the throne that's never been represented there at all. So how can we apply verse number 8 to us? What starts right out in verse number 8 says, Ask of me. Well, that's prayer. I firmly believe that everything happens differently when we pray. Amen? Amen? If you can't tell this yet, I won't go on unless I think you got it. You don't have to agree with me, but I have to know that you either agree or disagree, not nothing. Okay? Definitely things happen when we pray. Amen? It says right there, ask of me, what will I do? I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and what? The uttermost parts of the earth. For thy possession. Who's the uttermost parts of the earth? That's the unreached people groups. That's these people we're referring to right here. So how can we do that? How many of you heard of the 1040 window before today? Couple. Anybody ever heard of the 414 window? Nobody. Okay, let me help you a little bit. If you are between the ages of 4 and 14, if you're between 4 and 14, will you just come right up here and stand right over here on this side? All of you. 4 to 14. Come on up. Come, 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 come. Quickly. Quickly, 4 to 14. Wow, that's a good-looking group. Right here. Come right up. And guys, don't hide behind the girls. 
like the guys did that sang special, hiding behind the wife's today. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. You're trying to get over here by him, aren't you? Oh, okay. All right, I thought that's what you were trying to do. All right, wonderful. Now, <clears throat> what happens if this was talked about and dealt with throughout the entire United States? You say what? How many Sunday school teachers do we have? Okay, several. What would happen if all of our Sunday school teachers started teaching this age group right here the concepts of the unreached people groups? What would happen if this age group learned the 66 countries of the 1040 window? What would happen if they knew what an unreached people group was? What would happen if the pastor on a regular basis maybe started talking about the unreached people groups and the 1040 window and the uttermost from the pulpit maybe on a monthly basis? Maybe on your beautiful missionary display back there, you added another one of those for the unreached people groups and maybe someone who's created with a computer went to the Joshua Project or to unreachedpeoplegroups.com and you downloaded a different unreached people group profile, maybe put that up there every month. Maybe you have a prayer bulletin, right? Maybe in your prayer bulletin you list a different unreached people group every month in your prayer bulletin. Now what happens? This age group right here grows up. Their Sunday school teachers have been mentioning it to them on a regular basis. They've heard their pastor pray for them from the pulpit. They've seen it in the prayer bulletin. They go by the missionary display all the years that they're growing up and they see all this. What happens if one of these young people God calls to be a missionary? What would be the chances that one of these young people would at least pray then about going to the unreached? Just because you're praying and you're informing them of who the people are. You say, why this age group? Young people, what's that number right there? Good and loud. Good and loud. Better loud. Much better. Of the 4,000 independent Baptist missionaries that are sent out, there's a statistic that tells us 85% of those 4,000 surrendered to be a missionary between 4 and 14. Right there. Our prime prospects for missions are right there. We normally think our prime prospects are right here. We do our missionary conference. Usually we find somebody that will take care of this age during the conference so the families can be up here for the conference. And the prime prospects, we're sending them right out of the presence of missions. I'm not saying don't let them have their own meeting, but if you do, teach them missions in that meeting. Amen? Amen. Who will it be? Who will God call to be, to be a missionary out of this church? How about this young man right here? How about this young man right here? What's your name? Say it again. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Is it Emmanuel or Emmanuel? Spell it for me. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Emmanuel. Wonderful Bible name. Amen. You know what that means in the Bible? God is always with us. Amen. And God is always with us, right? But you know that there's a whole bunch of people in the world that has no idea that God's with them? Because they've never met him before. God might call Emmanuel. For some reason, he got that good Bible name. Amen. And if God calls him, and if he grows up in this church right here, there's a pretty good chance that he'll at least pray about going where no missionaries have ever gone before. Amen? Can you see how that will make a difference? Just by praying and just by informing. Thank you, young people. You can go down to Children's Church. And while they are going, let's say this verse out loud together, please. All right? Psalm 2, 8. Ask of me, 
and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. All these beautiful people, all these people who have their own form of politics, they have their own lifestyle, they have their own communication. They're not even able to communicate one with another because they have no idea how to even do that. And they're dying at unbelievable rates without the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every second in our known world, four people are born and two people die. Every second, four born, two die. Four born, two die. Four born and two are die. You can say that as long as God gives you breath. And that number is never going to get smaller. It's only going to get greater. Would you agree with me? If we're already behind by 3.2 billion people, and we're getting behind more every day by those numbers, that this is an emergency? An emergency. You see, in an emergency situation, everything changes. Let's say that our coon hunter right here in amazing health at, did somebody tell me you were 80-some years of age? How old? 81 years of age. I, I saw you do some jogging out there. I wouldn't even want to attempt to outrun you at 81 years of age. That's incredible. Let's say something were to happen. God forbid this would happen, but all of a sudden he just fell out into the, into the aisle. And he's obviously having a heart attack. Now, is this the way that this is going to go? Preacher's going to stand up. He's going to come up to the pulpit and he's going to go, okay, folks, don't panic. We'll take care of this as good as we can. Um, um, Ma'am, if you would, please show us your insurance card. We need to make sure that, that he has insurance. Okay. Okay. And, and then somebody else, okay, we see he's got insurance. Will somebody please call 911 and, and we need to get somebody here to take care of him. And it takes him about 40 minutes to get here because when they, I mean, it's, it's right here behind you, isn't it? Yeah, but it takes them about 40 minutes to get here because they have to make sure everything is in line before they come, and they have to come through a stop sign, so they got to make sure they stop at that stop sign. And all. Do they do any of that stuff? No. In an emergency situation, all those things cease. Everything changes in an emergency. He is the number one important thing to tend to. They run through stoplights, they run through red lights, insurance means nothing, straight into the emergency room, let's get him taken care of right now. Amen? And folks, would you think that 3.2 billion people is an emergency? That have never been able to read the Word of God in their heart language at all? Is it true that if somebody does not receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they die, they go to the place the Bible calls hell? Is that true or no? That's true. Since that's true, can you imagine one of these people dying and going to a hell they never even knew existed? But this changes everything. If we can get them the Word of God in their heart language, it literally changes everything. You say, how does it do that? You know this verse. Say it out loud with me. Would you please? Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jordan, do you know that verse? Yes or no? Yes or no? Come on, with some authority. Yes, all right, good. All right, prove it. Thy word is a lamp. Jordan, what happens when you turn the lamp on? That lamp basically glows the area right around where you're standing. That's basically what a lamp does. 
You know when I first learned what a lamp does, sir? Hey, you, you, know when I first, you know when I first learned what a lamp does? When I first learned how to go coon hunting was my first initiation to a lamp. And my dad gave me a lantern. Now, I look at it as cruel. He probably looked at it as funny. But he gave me a lantern. This is one of the old lanterns that you pump up, the Coleman lanterns, you know, and, and hit the flame and so on and so on. And I carrying that lantern through the woods as a young child, coon hunting, not having a clue what I was doing. Have you ever gone into a woods with just a lantern that it really doesn't show you very much at all? Because you don't just go into this wide open woods, it's all been clear cut and there's no thorns and thistles and stuff to run through. You come out of that thing, your anatomy does not look like it looked when you went into the woods. Am I right? For sure. The next, it was about the next year or two, my dad got me one of those headlamps on top of that hard hat that was a beam. Now, there's something different about that lantern and that beam. Jordan, are you with me? A lantern, when it lights up, shows you where you are right now. Church, these people have no idea where they are in their lost condition without Christ. They have no idea their sin separates them from a holy God. They have no idea if they don't receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are going to wake up in hell when they die. But once they get the Word of God, it changes everything. Then they know that their sin separates them from God. Then they can find out that Jesus went to Calvary's cross and died on that cross to make payment for their sin. They can then know if they ask Jesus Christ to forgive them a sinner, come into their life and save them, that they can know for sure where they're going. What a blessing that we know that. Amen? What a blessing that we know the gospel. We know that Jesus did that for us. We know that if we receive Jesus as our Savior, that we can go to heaven. Then why would somebody say no? Why, when we have it, when we have the gospel, why would somebody walk out those doors and say, no, I, I don't think so? We're without excuse. They don't even have a chance until we get it to them. But Jordan, not only is it a lamp, it's also what? Very good. And thy word is a light unto my path. The difference in a lamp shows you where you are. A light shows you where you're going. Amen? I know where I'm going. Forty years ago, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. On that day, my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. On that day, God established a place for me in heaven. I'm sealed, according to Ephesians, unto the day of redemption. I am so grateful for the opportunity to know that I am on my way to heaven. I'm so sure that my mansion is on the corner of Glory Boulevard and Hallelujah Lane. Amen. You say, how do you know that? I don't. But that's where I put in my request for. Amen. One thing I know is I got a mansion there. I only know that because I read it in here. Once they get the book, not only will they know where they are, they can know where they're going. Not until they get the Bible. We need to get it to them just as soon as we possibly can. Why? Pastor Tim Berlin says, What are you doing for the cause of Christ that will outlive you? What are you doing for the cause of Christ that will outlive you? Work. There it is. That's an amazing statement to me. What does that mean? What is it that outlives us? Is it that little two-by-two two obituary column if you leave enough money for your family to be able to afford to put that in the paper? And what does that say? Long-time standing member of such-and-such, such, involved in such-and-such. And, such. and that's, our, that's what lives beyond us. Is that all? 
Is that all we want to be remembered by and for? Someone said the greatest missionary we can ever send is the Bible in the mother tongue. That'll outlive us. You're looking as a church or you're looking as an individual through your church a way to invest in something that will last throughout all eternity? Invest in the Bible. Invest in the Word of God. That will outlive you until the end of time. The Word of God is powerful. What an opportunity that we have with that right there. And so we ask you if you'll consider your mission strategy as it relates to the Great Commission. The Bible tells us to go into where? Jerusalem? Where's Jerusalem? Preacher, I was uh, in a conference not too long ago and there was a lady there. Um, wish I could say her name because you might actually know it. But anyway, she's a, she's a Hebrew scholar. And she was in this meeting and she got up behind the pulpit and she said, no, I'm not a preacher. She said, but I've got to tell you folks, I'm sick and tired of all the preachers standing up and saying Jerusalem is wherever that you are. Jerusalem is in Jerusalem. She, <laughs> she, she said, I understand the context of what you're trying to say. She said, but God loves the Jewish people. And we need more emphasis for people praying for those that are actually in Jerusalem. And, and her point was, is very well taken. But we know the context, right? We understand Jerusalem is wherever that you are. If you're here, it's your Jerusalem. If you are on vacation, it's your Jerusalem. If you get out of the will of God and go to Texas, that's your Jerusalem. <laughs> wherever your Jerusalem is, or wherever you are, that is your Jerusalem. We have a responsibility to share the Word of God wherever that we are. Folks, I'm convinced. There's no way that your pastor can get your heart burdened for someone on the other side of the world if your heart is not burdened for people right here. If you are not willing to get some of those gospel tracts and go out and share the Word of God with those here, we certainly wouldn't expect you to have any burden for those on the other side of the world. We have to have the burden for our Jerusalem. Judea? Where is Judea? Judea, in context, in context, Judea, the capital of the land. Right? The capital of the land. Wonder if Washington, D.C. needs this. Especially right now. Capital of Wisconsin. Madison? Wonder if it needs this. Yes? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, where 99% of our mission money is used to reach those areas. Last question, Jordan. How you doing? Is that the end of that verse? Is that the end of that verse? Unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto, very good, the uttermost, the uttermost parts of the earth. Who are the uttermost parts of the earth? The unreached people groups, where less than 1% of our mission money is used to reach these areas. Less than 1%. And so we pray, Lord of the harvest, will you send forth laborers into the field of service, even from this local church? Where does it start? It starts with prayer. Ask of me. Would you be willing today to make a decision to pray more for the unreached? Would you be willing today, do you realize that if we'll just start informing the people that God has given us a responsibility with, you may see a missionary go right out from this church into the unreached. How exciting would that be to see a missionary from this church go where missionaries have never been to get a Bible into their language? Preacher, will you come here for just a second? 
You can bring your Bible with you. <clears throat> what, we, what we encourage churches to do, stay down there, I know these steps are, pray for preachers. His back is bothering him a lot. Again, he went golfing with Ken and <laughs> just ruined him. But anyway, <laughs> how exciting, preacher, would it be for this church to get involved and actually adopt a people group? By adopting a people group, that means that you actually become responsible. Maybe you would join up with another church like you, and together you work to get a Bible into heart language of someone who's never had it before. And then once that scripture portion is done, we actually get you to take that Bible over and hand deliver them their very first Bible. How exciting would that be? That'd be real exciting. Wouldn't it be amazing? But if you were to go hand deliver them a Bible today, it would look just like this Bible. And what's it look like? And we certainly don't want to give them that. We want to give them one that looks like that. Amen? Will you help us? Will you help us get it done? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with the people who are listening so well the concepts of the unreached people groups of the world. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.